artists and farters out there. You're listening to the Christmas episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I'm Mo, the producer of the show, and I'm just chilling on my couch right now, sitting next to a fireplace, and you should definitely do the same immediately and listen to this wonderful episode. We got something special for you today. First off, Jordan and me had the pleasure to interview Marco Mori, one of the most successful 3D animators in this world, but we got one problem. He's not an actual immigrant. So at the very end, your beloved host, Jordan Prince, Arsifarts Immigrant Numero Uno, will bring you a very special personal Christmas story of his own. So stay tuned, have fun, enjoy this episode, and Merry Christmas out there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Christmas special of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. We have an amazing guest. You might know his work from videos with Kanye West and Gorillaz. Yes, the Gorillaz. Please welcome an incredible man, Marco Mori. Okay, Marco. Uh, it's Marco Mori, right? Yeah, man. Hi. Hi, welcome to the show. We're, you know, we're Mo and I are really big fans of your work, and we're really honored that you uh, are are willing to to do the show today. So, thanks a lot for that. First off, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, I wanted to uh, maybe throw a bit of a curveball, and the first thing I wanted to ask you would be. Um, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Um, I think I would fight uh, one horse-sized duck because I think it's easier to fight one thing than a lot of them. Because <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, man. They can have a lot of power too if they combine their power. Yeah, you know, if they stacked on top of each other, it would be just as dangerous. Yeah, true, true. But imagine duck-sized horses. How cool would that be? <laughs> <laughs> if there were duck-sized horses, then the circus industry would be booming right now. <laughs> yeah, true. And uh, could you describe the color yellow to a blind person? Ooh. Color yellow to a blind person. Maybe when he feels very warm, that's how he could imagine. Oh, that's nice. The, the feeling of the color. Nice. Uh, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to ask something kind of funny at the top. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we did some researching and we see that you, um, you you were born in Lindau, right? Yes. Yes, that's right. And only 27 years old, which is pretty pretty incredible for what you've accomplished so far, if I can say that. <laughs> Thanks. So, you know, we saw that you had a history with um, like sports and uh, skateboarding videos and... Yes, yes, true. Like, how did you get into that work and and you were like self-editing the videos or what was going on? Yeah, true. We were um, skateboarding with my friends and, you know, trying to do cool tricks and watching a lot of skate DVDs and actually we wanted to film us too, so... Uh, I borrowed the digital camera um, from uh, my parents and we tried to shoot some shots as, as super amateur and shaky. And then I put them into Windows Movie Maker, if I remember right, and just 
put like black and white on it to spotlight the best tricks and make a fail compilation because we failed so much. And <laughs> yeah, I think that was, the tricks look awesome. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I think that's where uh, my little creative career started, but it was more like a hobby and I did this like three times and then never got back to it. Actually, you know, it's funny that I saw that because I had a really similar thing when I was in college. Um, a friend of mine, uh, his name was Charles. He was a really good skateboarder. And I was actually studying film in New Orleans at the time. And mm -hmm. I had this little cheap, like, do you remember these DVD handy cams? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had one of those and I thought I was the coolest guy that I had this. And I was trying to like <laughs> edit his skate videos kind of like in camera. And, mm -hmm. he, and I don't know, I just, I was really bad at it, but I really wanted to shoot skate videos because I was so into, I was never a skateboarder, but I was really into skate videos and like the stuff that, um, like Spike Jones would do back in the day. And, yeah. you know, I was yeah. such a fan of that vibe and I don't know, it was such a cool, there was such a cool culture around it, especially because, I mean, you and I are only two years apart. So I think like, were you ever yeah, a fan of like true. Jackass? Like the guys who were in Jackass? Yeah, definitely. Shit, man. Jackass, like, all the movies. Yeah, all, like the whole skate culture ar around that before it became just yeah, like funny true. violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, that was nice. So sick. Yeah, of course. But you also have this really great ability to bring across like these these textures and this vibe. And I'm just wondering sometimes. Um, when you make these, do you try to get a specific message across, like with satire or politics or social criticism? Is that sometimes um, in your mind when you're creating it? Of course, it's always in my mind. and uh, But I don't want to make this like obviously, because if you see something, you always have your own story to it. Like um, you're building your own opinion to it. No matter if I say, okay, I want to deliver... Uh, politics in this post um but it just doesn't care uh, it just uh it's it just it, it's it it doesn't care because um um you create your own opinion about what you see so um and i think it's it's not necessary for me to actually say that this has to be this message you know, because you're always interpreting your own way. So, of course, sometimes when you see a lot of uh, bigger people in my in my videos, you can say I'm I'm fat shaming or all this stuff. But um, it's also as the message like feel good, you know, like just feel good as you are. But these are that's not the main thing. I create these, you know. It's it's a sub level message, so. Right. I, I wanted to get uh, into that as well. Um, you know, like how you choose the characters that you create, because it's interesting that you say that you, so pe do people attack you for, for using like more obese people in your videos? Yes, of course. Uh, at the beginning, I got a lot of these messages, but uh, nowadays they're getting less and less because I think people are getting used to some things so fast that they don't care even and no more like do you think it's more that they mm. they get numb to the to the amount of content that comes out or do you think they get used to what you're doing uh it's like both it's like uh, this you you get confronted with so much information today like 
um, so many different kind of stuff which you can't really reflect and it's just like making you dull, you know? It's so you see something crazy and one week later it's not that crazy anymore because you have seen 10 things which are more crazy than this. That's true. That's true. I see that a lot in um, <clears throat> like satirical news. Like I watch a lot of um, American yes. political satire. I mean, I think a lot of people watch that nowadays. And it's funny mm -hmm. when just when they're making fun of something that happened yesterday, there's already been two more crazy stories to come out. And you have to wonder how can anyone keep up with that much content? Yeah, true, true, true. It's, it's so uh, overwhelming sometimes. But yeah, I was just curious, you know, like, do you, is it that every video or every image that isn't connected to a client or to a brand, is it, is it always saying something for you? Or is it sometimes just funny and dark and came into your brain while sleeping or something? Yeah, true. Uh, it depends. Sometimes it's just like, I want to try to learn a new technique. And so I watch some tutorials Then I try to recreate this and while recreating it, uh, um, some new ideas come in my mind. Like I could connect this effect with this and this could be funny if I, uh, make it a bit, a little bit different. You know, it's just like playing around and see what I come up with. And uh, most time, if it's funny, I have to giggle myself in front of my PC. And every time this happens, I know this could be a funny video. So, um, I don't want to keep it for myself. So I want to share it and maybe it makes some people giggle too. <laughs> Would you say <laughs> that that's the goal kind of like to make people laugh or to, um, yes, yes. To just to make them feel something. It's, uh, just like you scroll down your Instagram timeline. It's just like you're pathetic about you just scrolling and Then if there's, if there is something where you actually feel something where you stop and maybe watch it two times or three times, I think just the best, uh, what could happen to you. I think that's something I really like about your content as well. And maybe you've heard that a lot, but like, of course, some, t some things are extremely funny and you've had a few of your clips go really viral because they are so, um, as, as our friends at NetLight would say, it's very absurd. Some of, some of the videos. Um, but I also yeah. like some of the videos that really just that are kind of disturbing. I think that some of the darker stuff that isn't as funny is just as interesting because it's like you say, it's something that breaks up yeah. the feed. True, true. I was wondering, so what draws you to the aesthetic of combining real footage with 3D animation? You know, how, do, how did you discover that that style portrays your ideas best? Um, it was for my bachelor thesis, actually. Um Yeah, we went to Amsterdam, um, to get some footage of Amsterdam. And then we tried to combine it with, uh, 3D animation. And it was like, uh, it was about four years ago, I think. And, um, and it was super hard to get this because the software was not like today, not that many options. And, um, But it was a lot of fun because it's like merging reality and animation because you, you need to get the lighting, the real lighting. How are the shadows? And, um, it's like really trying to get it as realistic as possible to trick the viewer that it's actually not real. And I think this is what, what's most interesting for me to, to get this challenge. 
Would you say that you're kind of intrigued by this? I guess you know this term, the uncanny valley. Yes, yes. Um, I actually I have read it um, a lot of times under my post, and I had no clue what it is, so I googled it, and I think it's pretty fitting to my to my videos. That, yeah, I was gonna say sometimes people have you know there's like um, when their fans or when the people who watch them uh, kind of label or I wouldn't say box but maybe people like putting labels on things but when they label your work as something that would fit in the uncanny valley world I was curious if that's something that you're kind of proud of that it intrigues you or if you're like no that's not really what I'm going for you know but it's intri- but it's good that you see that because I I I think it fits that pretty perfectly sometimes it's like just close enough to to bother you yeah true and i think that's really cool yeah of course and as soon as something bothers you you're feeling something and then we're at the goal like just said yeah yeah exactly and i I was curious so we we mentioned that you you got some some comments in the past about you know creating these um these obese characters for your for your shorts and uh i wonder Mm -hmm. How do you come to the conclusion of the characters that you make? Because, of course, they're not all just obese people. It's a popular trend of yours, but you also have really distinct um, really distinct personalities that come through. Would you say that they are born from the texture that you're trying to create, or do they just come to you, I want to do it like this? Um, actually, it's a mixture because I'm, I'm not that independent from the character because... Um, I can buy the base model and then I can modify it, but, um, um, like I can make it thinner or bigger or like, uh, I can change the nose type of stuff. Um, but, um, actually I, I want to have them like to have them characteristics and something that's not that pretty and um like normal standards which you see uh a lot on instagram like there are so many people who who show their perfect um perfect life and everything is good and pretty and normal no edges and i want the the opposite like i want these characters to be edgy to be uh, recognizable and um, just to be different. Yeah. Uh, you know, one question that we we thought about um, pretty often, and I think a few people who um, are fans of yours probably have already asked, but I'm really curious about the the common use of brand placement. I mean, why why is Nike shown so often? Is it something that you do for fun? Does it represent something you want to say? Is it an endorsement? <laughs> um Actually, um, I started using the Nike swoosh just to get attention from Nike because um, they have so super cool projects in in the CGI area for the shoes and everything. And I wanted to get in. And uh, I love the slogan that just do it because it's uh, so fitting. Like uh, people always ask... Um, how to be a motion designer, how to be a superstar. And it all starts with just do it, actually. So you just have to start. And um, that's another reason. Oh, why so the Nike the Nike slogan, just do it, is, is like yes, literally motivating yes. for you. 
Yes, of okay. course. Okay, uh, true. But did did, did uh, Nike but, ever get in touch with you? Um, yes, actually, yeah. And um, maybe, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> yeah, man, just do it. I told them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, maybe uh, January next year we will start um, a little project and see how this works out. That's um, great, man! Congratulations. Yeah, man. That's I'm cool. excited. Thank you. Um, and yeah, because that was something that was really on our mind. We saw it so often. We thought, man, this guy's got to be working for Nike. <laughs> you know? um, or he, he must just fucking love this brand. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, actually, I love it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a cool. It is a cool uh, slogan. Yes. Um, you know, something that makes uh, your videos really special, besides the the characters and the textures and and the message and stuff, is the sound design. Man, I'm so curious. How do you choose what what sounds are made and when when to not use them and how do you craft them um sometimes i'm working with a sound designer uh, from london um he's pretty amazing i'm telling him like what sounds i need and every time he's super on point and i'm super happy with the results and if i'm my own sound designer um, I just have it in my head, like how it could sound and could add like an extra, uh, funny moment. And then I'm, the hard time is to find the sounds actually, uh, on online because like, how do you, how do you Google for, um, like, I don't know, spe specific movements. Now I, now I know that they are called squish and swoosh and, but it was a hard time finding out like, uh, I really, I really had no idea what I should type in. I had it in my head. Like I knew what I was, I know what I was searching. Yeah. But I don't know how. And if I type this in, in, the, in Google, uh, the, getting a lot of different results, but not what I, what I was looking for. You probably see a lot of strange porn if you type that into Google. <laughs> yeah. If you have safe filter off. <laughs> Not safe for work. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. That's so interesting. Yeah, I was curious about that. How I, That's actually one of my favorite words is uh, the word in English for like splat and swoosh and kapow and stuff. It's um, the word of a sound and it's uh, onomatopoeia. And that's, oh, that's okay. such a cool Yeah, maybe, maybe you should write me this later so I yeah. can search specific. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, well, I was just really, really curious about that. And how do you describe like to this uh, London does sound designer or does he just create it from what he sees and then you say yes or no um no I'm I'm giving him notes in the video like down left I write something like um blow the whistle and then make a squishy movements like on um I don't know the the English word for turnhalle like where you make Gym gymnastics yeah, yeah, yeah. Like mm -hmm. in a gym, this squishy when you're when you're hitting with your skin. Like, yeah, yeah, like the squeak, yeah. like of a fresh, yeah, a fresh yeah, Nike yeah, shoe yeah, on true. the gym floor. True, true. Like I, I try to describe it how I how I would describe it to somebody who was not on the same place and didn't hear the 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 sound. So, uh, how um, would you? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's okay. I was fine. Um, so you know, we, uh, you and I met at this uh, at this this private event um, where you spoke, and, and I was playing with my band in the corner, and uh, 
Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, let's, let's make a scenario. So let's say, um, uh, I'm releasing uh, a new album next year. All of this is true. <laughs> and let's say <laughs> mm-hmm. if I, uh, let's say I come to you and I were to say, okay, Marco, I, I, here's a, here's the song I'm thinking of for the single. And I would really like to do a video with you. So, so from your perspective, how, how does it normally work? And how would we create a video from scratch together? Um, so the first thing I would ask, when would you need it? <laughs> Do you have- <laughs> can, can you afford it? Jordan? Can I afford it? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, um, and uh, if you have something in mind already, like a rough idea or concept, okay. it's always nice to have a starting point. And of course, like uh, what budget you want to spend. So okay. can you, te- can you then, say like what yeah. your average, like indie budget to professional budget? I mean, you don't have to, if you don't feel comfortable. Uh, no, 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 it's okay. But I, I have the same budget for every, everybody, like no matter or of if he's rich or not, like I'm starting at um, $800 per day. And if you need me longer, like two weeks, it's always, um, a budget for the whole project then. So I try to, to calculate the effort for me, um, how many days it will take me to create this. And then I calculate it, make a little buffer time and all this kind of stuff. And then, uh, but most of the time they come with, hey, I've got $2,000. This is my idea. Is this possible? And then, um, we create the concept based on the idea to fit the budget and their needs. So both sides are happy and most of the time this works out. Okay. Okay. So basically if, if someone's coming to you, like if the, if the artist personally, or if the, you know, the PR person or the marketing person comes to you mm-hmm. and says, we want to work with you on a video. Usually they already have like a time frame, a budget and a concept. And they just, they already know what they would like you to do because they've seen you do it. Or they ask you, how would you bring across this idea? Um, it depends. Okay. Uh, sometimes what did they, Kanye do? They ask. <laughs> We're getting to that mode. Don't jump ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, true. Um, um, sometimes they're asking me, um, because I already saw something which I created and saying, I want like this effect. And sometimes they come up with a concept and say, is this possible? And how would you do it? Can we see like, a version before we work together. And I always say no, because I don't work for free. And, uh, um, yeah, then it's a lot of like back and forth until we get on the same way and start working. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, that's cool. That's cool. I just, I was really curious about like the whole method and like how you jump into it and stuff. Um, but speaking of Kanye <laughs> and speaking of, uh, <laughs> of how you would work on something, um, you know, I really want to talk about like, I mean, you're a 27 year old dude from Lindau. So how the fuck are you young thugs lead animator? <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, for those people who are, are listening because they know the show and might not know you, I mean, you, you've worked on uh, a gorillas track trans, you, you worked on uh, YNW Melly and Kanye's song mixed personalities and, um, and yeah, your young thugs lead animator amongst other like huge artists. So, you know, how did you go from making this animation, having this popular Instagram channel to, to your first project was the first one, the first big breakthrough, like gorillas. How did that change for you? 
Um, Gorillas was actually uh, super random. It was a message of uh, over Instagram from I think it was the director, and he was just uh, asking if he could have my mail because he has a request. Um, and then we we were communicating um, over mail, and he just asked me if I want to do a shot for gorillas, and I was like, uh, the gorillas, gorillas, so, <laughs> <laughs> and he was yeah, and uh, and I and I was like, uh, oh uh, yeah, sure, what you need, uh, when do you need, and uh, like, uh, and how much money do you now. get? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and like I was like. I can I start today? I leave everything. So let's work. Uh, let's make it safe because a lot of in the scene is like you get an offer from cool project and you're super excited about it. And then it's just, um, um, getting lost or they found somebody else. And so, so you jumped on always, it immediately. Like, let's do it today. Yeah. Send me what you Yeah. Need. Yeah. I like true. That. I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want it. And I, um, don't let it go if I grab it. So it's like I respect my, that, man. My, my, I'm, my project. I'm of the same mentality. Like if you, if there's any opportunity to get, um, like a level up in, in something you're really passionate about, and you have to see like just the tiniest sliver of an opportunity, and you don't grab it and hold it and like pull the doors apart to take a, to step in, then that's kind of like on you if it if it disappears in a way. True, true, and I actually. I had no clear, uh, no clue about what he actually want from me. So it could, could have been something which I've never done before and would be super crazy. But, uh, that were, that didn't matter. Like, uh, I was open for everything. And, um, so I just want to gorillas. Nice. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's how it started. And the other funny uh, story is about the young thug thing because it was, um, I was surfing around on Instagram and checking what others are doing. And I saw he's, he's called, um, Fergemanden, I think he's doing super awesome stuff too, but it's super like ugly and creepy and disgusting, but it's super catchy. It's super catchy. And I tried to recreate a scene from him, like, um, the exact technique and, um, the visual aspects are, are pretty same, but I, I posted it and I credit him like, um, inspired by Fergemanden. And on the same time, this Fergemanden dude was working with a director on this, uh, I think it was Lil Wayne, where he's flying through the completely animated world and bouncing on big butts, etc. And this guy saw that I was, um, posting like the same video the Fergimanten does, but I was credited, but I had, but I gave credit to him and he was so surprised that I, I gave the credit to him that he was, he shoot me a message and was like, Oh, uh, nowadays it's not normal that people credit, they just steal and post and uh, super nice from you. Maybe we can work one day. And <laughs> that's how he, he had my name in his head and, that's how it works, yeah, right? Actually, you have like one, like one lucky thing that happens and it connects you yeah, to a true. certain project and your, your name happens to be on it and someone just happens to look at it, you know, and yeah, like, so, who is this guy? Oh, let's see if he has like an Instagram or whatever. It's so funny. It's, it's like as much as at least today for me and in, in, in my head, like it's as much about how good you are and how good you 
how confident you are in what you're doing, but it's just as much luck. Yes, of course. You, you, I, I think you can't be successful without luck and without working hard. So you can work hard and have no luck and you won't get successful and the other way around too. So you need both of it. And, um, it's, as you can see, it's just a small things which basically lead a lad to this first job. And he actually just wanted one or two shots from me for this video. Um, but then it was like, Oh, can you do this too? And maybe you can that too and this and that. And it was like, okay, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, um, then I, I went from just animating two shots to lead animator. And I think this was, um, the big start where I actually got connected to, uh, my dude, Sam Shea, um, also known as Nude Robot, which whom I was working for the last videos. Um, since then, like, um, we started a two man career, basically, like he was directing and supervising and also animating and preparing stuff for me. And we were creating projects together since then. So you guys have been collaborating since then together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like all the videos I've uploaded, it was in collaboration with him, all the music videos. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. But one thing, sorry, but no, um, go ahead. I wondered out of the time, project like this, let it be Young Thug, Kanye, whoever. Um, let's keep in mind, you're still living in Augsburg, Germany, and still are at university. Do you do all the work from, from home, from Augsburg, or how does... Yes. Is it all online? Yes. Uh, yes, actually, I'm just working from home because I feel most comf comfortable there. And um, I think there's no need to like fly to America and work from there because um, I wouldn't do anything else than just sitting in front of my PC and <laughs> working with my programs, you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's 2019. That's kind of like where most of the work happens anyway, you know. Yes, true. You n need to take the advantages of uh, global networking and connection and internet speed and all this kind of stuff. You know, when you got these jobs, um, f like for gorillas or young thug or, or for Kanye or whatever, um, were you doing like FaceTime conversations or, or was everything through email and texting? Um, sometimes it's, uh, phone conferences and phone calls. Um, uh, but most of the time it's actually email because, um, FaceTime, like uh, seeing each other is not necessary. And um, email, uh, just to attach a, a lot of files and phone calls always, I, I like the most of the time before the project starts, um, we have a phone call to discuss like a time schedule and uh, all these kind of organization stuff. And um, then it depends um, I'm working super closely with my clients. Like if I have their number on WhatsApp, I can like send them, um, pictures really quick to check. Hey, is this color? Okay. Is this position? Okay. To get feedback really fast for small things. And, um, sometimes I'm just like sending a mail and waiting a day to get feedback and then maybe have a phone call if it's too much to write and better to talk. So it really depends on the situ situation. You know, if I can say this, um, 
it's it's interesting to me as um as an american living in in germany to imagine that this kind of this particular brand of creativity that you have comes from a 27-year-old german guy from lindau it's i mean and, and, <laughs> and i mean this is a huge compliment too because it just goes to show that people shouldn't expect everything the way that they always kind of imagine it will be you know what i mean like even just talking to you now for these past uh, 30 or 40 minutes, like you're very, you seem like a very, a, a guy of brass tacks, like, you know, this is the way it should be. This is how I work. And, um, mm-hmm. what, you know, why waste time with this when I can just do it like this? This is the, this is the more logical, economical way to work. It's very forward thinking and, and like, I don't know, calm minded and logical. And it's, it's interesting to me to like, to talk to you and see your personality for the first time and then see what you're putting out on and in, on Instagram, because it just shows that there's this really diverse part of your brain that you, you, it's almost as if you save it for yourself and you expose it in these little droplets. Yeah, true. Sounds like an plausible explanation. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to know what your search history is like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always browsing privately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, incognito mode. <laughs> yeah, true, man. <laughs> oh, um, well, I mean, Mo, is there anything else on, on your mind? I, I think I've gone through, well, oh yeah, my last question, right. I forgot, this, this, is, this is the last thing that I had written down for me was, um, <clears throat> you know, why, why are you, and this is purely curiosity, why are you doing a master's at uni Augsburg when you, when you already have a career of this caliber, what keeps you interested in doing? Um, actually after my bachelor, there was no career and there was no Instagram. I started it with my master and I, yeah, and I did this master just to have some more time to learn and to get more specific into certain softwares and actually to learn Houdini, I, I, um, wasn't able to, um, to play with Houdini, uh, in my batch, in my bachelor, because it was too crazy for me. It was too hard. And I think, uh, in the master, there was enough time to get behind this. And um, because it's, it really takes some time, some starting time to learn, but, uh, it's definitely worth it. And yeah, I used it to, to actually build my, to, to build the start of my career. And, um, um, okay, and so to you, get you, like money it. from, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was the starting point for Instagram and the daily posts. Um, if you, you can scroll down my, my profile and you will see the first posts I, I posted, there are actually super, super shit. It's like, this was. I think everyone's Instagram, the first post is really bad. Online, you don't have to scroll. <laughs> Mo's been consistent that's, since day that, one. Yeah, that's my service for, for. You don't have to search for the shitty posts. You just get them just right, open right up, away. Open up the page. Um, but so you, you are finished with, with, your, with your master's degree now? Yes. Uh, I finished I finish this year in March. So I'm. So super free now to to work. So tell us about your plans. So what's going on yeah. right now? You, you already talked about um, finally collaborating with with Nike, but yeah, what's next? Uh, what's Mark Mori doing now in the beautiful city of Augsburg? 
Uh, right now I'm doing a music video for Finnish Asozial, a German rapper. And um, then I will make holidays, Christmas holidays, um, until beginning of January. And then I will go back to work and maybe a next project with new no, nude robot, like uh, Sam Shea, um, and would be another music video. Let's see if there will be something or maybe the night project. So a lot of opportunities which could happen, but you know, it's just sure if they, if I got that job and I start working on it. So but do you have any big goals or I don't know, you do a lot of mu music videos and you you're like, okay, there's one artist I really want to work with or yeah. one big goal you have. Uh, yeah, we, I was riding with Drake uh, last week and um, maybe we will get a video in 2020 with him. This would Maybe be super if cool call, if he calls you on your cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> And there it is. I told you, <laughs> shitty content. <laughs> oh, nice. You know what's funny is you, you made that joke, and in my head I was already trying to think of a pun for Hotline Bling. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, God damn it. <laughs> um, I'm sure that your many, many fans and collaborators um, are happy to know a bit more about you and your personal life, and From the bottom of my heart, man, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and to deal with our bullshit. And uh, it really means a lot to us. We're really big fans. Yeah, you're really welcome. Thanks for having me again, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan coming to you from home. I'm recording this after the interview that you just heard. Um, Mo and I thought it might be a nice idea that to tack on to this Christmas special, I bring to you a little story from my life. Um, but first and foremost, I really wanted to thank everyone who's been listening to us for the past six months. This passion project has been something that's really excited Mo and myself since the first concept and to see the numbers climbing and to see these people checking in and writing in with their own stories and to see people excited about the people that we're interviewing is really, um, it's been changing the world for us, kind of. It's, it's, it's really a pleasure, and we just really want to say from the bottom of our hearts, thank you very much. It's, it's Christmas time. Uh, I'm here at home in Munich. It's mid-December, and I thought I would share with you guys my first Christmas abroad. So when I was growing up, um, Christmas was kind of the standard American tale. Um, you had this expectation on Christmas Eve with your... I, ha I have a brother who's a few years older than me. And up until he was maybe like 16 or so, the routine was always that we would try and stay up as late as we could on Christmas Eve because we knew that Santa was coming I mean, by that time, we knew that it wasn't Santa Claus, but when we were young, we were complete believers. And uh, the cute thing was that even after we found out, my parents still gave us some gifts on Christmas Eve from them, and then the big gifts in the morning were still signed from Santa. I always thought that was kind of sweet. And um, that was always the expectation. And I really, you see this in the in the American movies, and it's still something that really excites me, and it's still something that really feels like home. Um and now that I live in Germany, for those who 
don't know, in Germany, they do three days and Christmas, the big day of Christmas is actually for us Christmas Eve. It's the 24th. So um, at least um, in my wife's family, which is who we spend Christmas with when we're here, the tradition is that on Christmas Day, on 24th, that's when you put up the tree and you decorate that while people are cooking. And then in the evening, you have this big meal. And in my wife's family, they cook a big goose, which I had never had before until uh, coming here. And I thought, thought that was so crazy. This huge bird kind of reminds me of Thanksgiving with the turkey, but it's it's different meat and it, it tastes great. And there's this whole sauce that takes them days to to cook and simmer in and it's, it's delicious. And then uh, my father-in-law gets this giant three liter bottle of red wine that he shares with everyone who wants some and it's, it's aged and it's been in his cellar for years. And it's so cool to have this big welcoming vibe, you know, for everything. It's very family-based. It's very, everyone dresses up nice for the dinner. You go upstairs, everyone's putting on makeup and uh, ironing the shirts and um, everyone comes downstairs really excited to present themselves for this, you know, this special evening. You have the dinner and you get a little bit loose with the wine. And then um, when my wife's grandfather was still alive, I think we're still doing it, but at least my first Christmas here, he was there with us. And we would go into the living room where they had the tree and they would have all this uh, old Christmas music. And there were some standards that I recognized, like Silent Night, but of course it was all in German. And my first year, I didn't know any German at all. I mean, I haven't gotten much better, but then I didn't even know, I didn't know anything. And so there I was, sitting between her parents and her brother and her sister and their respective partners and the grandpa, and we're all singing Silent Night in German and uh, a few other classics that I didn't know. And it was really sweet. It was something so like personal and um, humbling and kind of reminiscent of these kinds of um, movies that you grow up on. And after that, then you open all the presents. So you do all the presents on Christmas Eve. And uh, the next day is kind of just this open day. They they go to um, a big lunch together with all of the family. So sometimes it feels like a hundred people. And that's also really nice. And um, that's, that's when you get this giant feeling of family. You know, my, my family's always been um, more, I don't want to say too small, but it was always very intimate. Um, my mother has quite a large family on her side, but we, for some reason, were never quite close with them. So I only saw a certain aunts and uncles and cousins, um, at certain times, like maybe on a birthday, maybe on a holiday, we, we would go drive and visit them for a short time and then we would leave. Um, we spent more time with my father's family which is ironic seeing as how that was the most dysfunctional and the ones that we had the most trouble spending time with. But I guess that's kind of how these major holidays work. And um, on Christmas, like I think it was always the Saturday before Christmas, we would already be out of school and we would go to my dad's mom's house. And that's where I would spend time with my uh, a couple of my cousins and... Um, a couple of aunts and uncles, and of course the grandparents. Um, but that was the extent of my family experience. You know, I, I knew people on either side, but really the, the closest knit people were mom and dad and me and my brother. So when I came here and we had this giant lunch with her whole family, and this was my first Christmas in Germany ever, and I didn't even know all of her family yet. And there you see like 
I mean, it really feels, I think it's over 70 people that are just surrounding you. And now I was the outsider. I was this different person who didn't speak their language, who everything was fresh and like totally virgin eyes to this whole thing. Um, And that was a really eye-opening thing. Like there really are these big families that do these big things on holidays. And I had just never really seen that before. And it seems like everyone really likes each other too. Everyone's kind of moving around different tables, spending time with each other. Um, and I think on the next day, there's even one more special meal. Ah, I think I had that wrong on, I forgot something. I forgot something really important on the 24th, which is for Germany, Christmas day. Then you, when you, after you open all the presents, then you go out to a bar and there's this one bar in her hometown that everyone goes to. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Um, I don't really love always being at this bar, but it can be really fun. And the people are always really down to party. So you go there, you get absolutely wasted. And then the next day you go to this really nice lunch that her uncle Peter makes. And he's this man, he's really like a five-star chef. I mean, it's unbelievable what this guy makes and he's really cultured and he's really into film and he's really into music. And he's always talking about the newest books and he's really, he's really, really interesting guy. And, um, we have a nice lunch there and that's kind of the hangover day. And then the next day after that is the lunch with the huge whole family. So that's the, that's the order. And I remember my very, very first Christmas here was actually really special for another reason, because when I was living in New Orleans, uh, my wife and I, we were still dating long distance, but there was a time where we, where we broke up. There was, um, a big chunk of this year, I think it was 2014 or 15, where we just, um, I think it was 2014, where we just weren't together anymore. And, um, and there was this moment at the end of that year, maybe towards around fall, where we reconnected somehow, kind of just drawn to each other. And we were writing each other messages, and we were starting to video chat a bit more, and just kind of reconnecting. And then we actually decided maybe we should try and be together again. And this was a huge risk for me because I knew that this would mean I would have to leave America. And the Christmas holiday was sort of the catalyst for the whole thing. And so we said, okay, I'm going to I'm going to take these two weeks that I have off from school and I'm going to take off work and I'm going to save up and I'm going to come visit you. So I set up all the initiative. I got my passport set up and I saved up this money and, and I flew to Germany for the first time. No, for the second time, for the second time. But this time it was really, really, um, with a lot of pressure. And then there I was, uh, I was with her family and it was, at her house. And I was really, really special. And I, I kind of, I was kind of in love with the whole atmosphere in a strange way, but also I was scared, you know, it was, it was all new. And I really felt so much like someone from a different planet, or I felt so much like someone from a different part of the world. But there I was, and there was my wife, and she had made this card for me that kind of went through all of our memories together. And the ups and the downs and the things that meant the most to her that maybe I had even overlooked at the time. And, and at the end of the card was her expressing this love that she, 
really wanted us to to try to do this, that she loved me. And that's where I um, re- realized kind of the main purpose of this whole Christmas time is to rekindle this relationship and give it all the chance that we could. And I'm still living here for her. So I guess it worked out. It was a Christmas miracle. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was my first Christmas in Germany. It was um, a big eye-opening experience to see this huge family. And in my memory, there was snow everywhere and her hometown is in the mountains and it's just like a picture book. So it was really um, cinematic for me. And the memory of it is really, really romantic and, and pure and beautiful and um, I think it's something that I'm always going to think about. So um, to all of you who have been spending time with us the last six months, um, I just want to say thank you again so much. And we wish you a really Merry Christmas, however you like to spend it. If it's with your family or if it's with your partner or if it's just on your own with a glass of wine, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes you think back on a beautiful year and um, fills your soul with energy and and happiness and (laughs) holiday cheer. Um, But it's really been a pleasure um, being in your ear for a while now. And we really have some great guests coming next year and we have a new format coming. We're going to try and add more shows per month. So stay tuned for that. And uh, from me and from Mo and from M94.5, Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Thanks. Artsy Farzi Immigrants. Ein Podcast von Jordan Prince, produziert von Moritz Batscheider für M94.5.